everyone. Welcome into Patterns Tell Stories. I'm your host, Klaus, and today we're going to be talking about the NASA UAP report, the new Tom DeLonge movie, Monsters of California, and a few updates on the UAP Disclosure Act uh, that's that's going through the Senate right now. Um, with me today is my co-host, Garrett. How's it going, dude? Good, man. I'm glad we're back at it. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> Had some stuff going on, but um, I'm glad... Uh, Glad we could finally get back to it. Um, anything you want to go into first? I guess we should talk about the NASA report. Um, it was pretty much everything I expected, at least. It, you know, had had the very basics. It wasn't going to be, you know, anything with actual videos or uh, they were basically trying to form some sort of plan and take what NASA had already that was unclassified and form a roadmap of how to study UAP, like what data they would need. And it's kind of like a meme at this point where they're always like, we need more data. We need more data to actually study this thing. And it's, it's you know, it's been years of this shit. And so it was kind of frustrating for a lot of people uh, who have been following this. It's like, okay, yeah, we, we know we need more data, but, um, what data do you have kind of is that that's like my frustration with the whole thing. It's also, it was also kind of annoying uh, how Bill Nelson reacted to uh, the questions about David Grush. I think it was from James Fox, uh, the filmmaker who, you know, made the phenomenon, which was an awesome movie. Go check it out if you haven't, but it was um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing where he essentially said he, <laughs> he wanted more evidence, which, which is fine. Um, but the kind of dismissive tone he he came to it with and uh, basically saying he only saw he only knew about uh, David Grush's claims from what he saw on the evening news, which um, I guess is weird or I don't know. I guess you can't really blame him, um, but it seems kind of relevant to his job. You'd, you'd think <laughs> I fucking NASA head. But um, what are your thoughts? As I've said in previous podcasts we've done, I don't expect a whole lot of transparency from NASA. Um, the The problem I have right now is that NASA seems to be pretending like they don't have any classified information at all, which is complete baloney. It's I know it's not that their mission to look for or to study UFOs, but like the the idea that Nelson had nothing to say about Dave Grush is bizarre. Like there's, how is there any excuse for that whatsoever? When we have like guys like Marco Rubio in the Senate intelligence committee saying that this is a topic that is like interesting enough for him to spend time on, you know? Well, the bottom line. Yeah. The bottom line is that like, there was like, <laughs> there was a UFO hearing in Congress like a month ago. Right. And this is a, you know, all right, let's call it UAP. There was a UAP hearing in Congress a month ago where crazy shit was said under oath by three credible witnesses. And the NASA director took it upon himself to answer questions at a NASA UAP briefing. And he didn't think to watch the hearing like he didn't have any interest in in knowing he was going to go before the, the world essentially during this briefing or whatever whatever the fuck you want to call it and he had nothing to say 
about Grush's claims besides, you know, <laughs> I saw it on the evening news. It's just kind of bizarre. I, I mean, no one underneath you watched it. No one could brief you on it. Uh, that that's the best you got is you watched it on the fucking news. I, that's just weird to me too. Um, and, and Bill Nelson has seemed pretty open-minded to this stuff in the past. He said, you know, it was interesting when he, he answered, um, James Fox, he was like, I'm, I think he said like, I'm setting the table for you when I say, I believe that there's, you know, intelligent life out there. I just, the whole thing with Grush is, is so weird. People don't want to fucking touch this thing. And it, it's, they act so weird when when it's brought up because um i don't know you know they're not saying he's lying that's the interesting thing but they really really appear to not want to talk about it that's the sense i get yeah that's a good point that the, none none of these people that have these types of reactions call him a liar they just like sort of distance themselves from it and act ignorant about the claims he's made nobody's ever like uh said this guy's full of shit dave grush was much more down when he was talking to jesse michaels yeah it's it's, yeah it was great interview and uh it sounded like grush was very confident in the information he had and was like pretty disappointed that it wasn't being followed up on properly and uh, i'm interested to see how this plays going forward the I don't know if you saw like the John Greenwald redactions or like they basically got what looked like hypothetical questions for for the Dobson review. Um, it looked like he submitted like uh, Grush submitted for for his Dobson review, I guess hypothetical questions that someone I guess in this case Ross Colthart was going to ask him. I guess all, all the answers were redacted due to uh, privacy concerns, um, and then. John Greenwald, of course, tries to spin it as what is Grush hiding when it's the fucking DOD who's doing these redactions. Um, and it's just so weird. to me. And he's like, why doesn't Grush release this? And it's like, all right, first of all, first of all, this, that, were you not listening when this guy said he was fucking like retaliated against and like threatened and all this shit? Maybe he doesn't want to release that stuff because there's stuff under there that he didn't talk about for a reason. Um, maybe he was threatened after, you know, he submitted that stuff and he decided not to talk about some of it. Um, so maybe that's why he's not doing it. And also like, he doesn't fucking owe you anything. So he's, (laughs) you know, it's a first draft. And I I made the point where I'm saying like, I don't put my first drafts of my articles like out in the world for people to see, because like, that's, you know, I want to edit it. I want to, I want to put out there like the most correct information possible so i don't know maybe you should release it who i mean at this point i like i don't really care i mean i guess he should but like whatever i think it's it's pointless to argue over um and if he doesn't want to i i don't think that like takes anything away from what he said um but yeah that whole thing was bizarre to me well yeah he's already stuck his neck out a whole lot it sounds like they go through the proper channel to make sure they can say the few breadcrumbs they can say and then past that it's pretty much just like their hands are tied until more legislation can protect them or or, or, uh, i don't know i don't really know what the 
what how this can unfold you know and it's interesting to see the like chess match being played or uh, seemingly being played um and all the bizarre stories we're hearing about and all the like (laughs) i i think we were talking about it before how like uh right as the rush interview with coltart dropped that we got that bizarre story about the alien in las vegas in someone's backyard (laughs) and it's like almost so like convenient that like during the news of grush we also got the story of that and guess what else we got we got some dug up little mummy skeletons (laughs) that we're gonna fucking wheel out and it's gonna make whatever else is in the news look stupid and uh yeah, I like the NASA that... report, like the actual legitimate. And that's the thing, too, is like, you know, as much as like we can shit on the NASA report and say they're just never a straight answer again, um, it does it does legitimize the topic. Like the more often that this is in the news, like, you know, outside of the U.S., I, I, I mean, mostly when I, when I say this is that when it's in the news and it's NASA you know, the most respected space agency in the world, pretty much, I, I would assume. Um, it it lends credence to um, that this that this subject is credible in the eyes of the U.S. government. And I think it, you know, if there are other organizations or academics or more um, transparent governments, I guess, that, that want to study this or need permission to study this, um, I think the like the more often this is this topic is broached in the news um when it has to do with nasa and you know official uh government agencies like that i think it i think it's a good thing you know as much as we hate to see the same shit over and over again uh there's still that 99% of the world who doesn't give a fuck about this and pretty much everything the dod's been hiding like just 1% of that releasing it like would would help move this forward and um i don't know i think there's definitely a um a reluctance to move too fast i think you've said that a lot in the past and um i think that's pretty dead on yeah dude think about it like they're talking about uap regardless of how dismissive they are or any of that which i don't regard them as that dismissive if they're willing to uh, hold a hearing right and like uh, appoint some I don't even know what they called it, an ambassador, commissioner or something like someone who's going to like oversee this topic specifically. I think that's pretty cool. Just the fact that they're talking about UAP. But uh, in general, like how often could you say in the past 10 years that NASA has anything to say about that topic? I I could count on one hand, you know, so like I think that it is progress. But uh, it's it still has a long ways to go because I already know that there's like many stories of and you hear them call into the uh, shows like Art Bell and Linda Howe all the time or George Knapp uh, or George Nori. All these shows have people call in that say that they uh, work for NASA and that they saw some picture or uh, image and some spook came in and confiscated it. Like everybody's heard a story like that about NASA. And I find it just so bizarre that um, we're expecting transparency from them. I, I, I still 
maintain what I said in previous podcasts that like um I, I don't think we've gotten a very clear image of uh I don't know, dude. I'm trying to think of like an intelligent way to put this, <laughs> but like I it doesn't sound I sound like such a fucking conspiracy theorist. No, man, it's it's true. I mean, but this is another thing that I, I kind of been thinking about lately. Like, what if NASA isn't the most relevant, you know, government agency? What if it's like NOAA or, you know, if these things are coming from the ocean? Like, what if NASA, you know, doesn't know as much as we think they do? And we've just assumed this whole time that that they're the ones who have all the answers when really it's, um, you know, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, they're transmedium and so spa the space domain that would um, kind of seal the deal if we were able to, um, you know, if we were able to have video or sensor data or something that would, you know, without a doubt prove that that these UAP are in space, um, you know, our, none of our stuff can go from you know water to air to uh to space that would that would that would prove it so i guess that's kind of where people are you know looking to nasa for the ultimate um validation of of ufos but you know maybe it's not nasa who um who are the ones we should be pressing on this but i mean i'm sure they have some of the answers but i don't know it's just a thought i have some unique about like the United States situation with space is uh and I think Robert Bigelow pointed this out when he was talking to Jeffrey Mishlove was that uh countries like China or Russia their space programs are like more military and the United States is unique in that it's like just not a military program even though its foundations as we've talked about in earlier podcasts we're like these rocketry guys from our air force. It's still like a unique tie into like how we think about these programs. And our government has like a history of having secrecy around this topic. And it makes you wonder like, how long has it been since we've been to the moon on yeah. like an official capacity? It, it's been like uh something like 50 over 50 years where we've had a, like a man walking on the moon that begs the question do we just think that like nobody's been to space and walks on the moon <laughs> yeah so it's so weird you know it's like i don't know it just i just think of tom's thing where he <laughs> he was at a party and uh some like defense contractor big wig came up to him and like whispered in his ear we've been, we've been mining on the moon for 30 years <laughs> he's just like yeah that's what he said to me it's just like okay uh like imagine that imagine like you know that's a really good point that you know all the other superpowers have a more mili military view of of space uh than we at least um put out to the world you know publicly as as an image like we're like super like civilian you know research and all that stuff but like imagine you know we've had soldiers or or something on on the moon for years and then you know we're, we're doing all these experiments um like civilian experiments uh remotely from earth trying to like you know, is there volcanism? Is there, you know, plate tectonics when there's fucking people like sitting up there, you know, <laughs> how fucking pissed off would like everyone be if that, if that was the case? Yeah, dude. I, I, I think about that constantly. If someone's up there right now, 
Like, do you think there's one person on the moon right now? <laughs> or like when when you ask that question or when I ask that question, do you think we've been there in 50 years? I'm not saying what I think. I'm just asking. Yeah, it's something that just makes people smile because like <laughs> I think I think that's bullshit, dude. I think that someone has sent something up there. There's yeah. no way that in 50 nobody has like I know. And yeah, and the um I think there it was like the uh the Indian um soft landing. They they were the third country to to accomplish a soft landing on the moon. And like within a day they find, you know, <laughs> there's fucking seismic activity on the moon that we haven't detected since Apollo. Like <laughs> within a day. It's like, okay, that that's really that that happened, you know. <laughs> it's, you you expect us to believe that like, yeah, they they just miraculously like they're their technology is so good that within a day they found seismic activity and we haven't seen it in 50 years. Really? <laughs> it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah, dude. So it just insults our intelligence kind of, I mean, all right, maybe that's the truth, but, but prove it. I don't know, man. It's, it, it's frustrating. <laughs> the video of the soft landing of uh, the Japanese like private company a couple months ago, and it has their reactions is brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. Like they they failed so bad. It that wasn't even manned. But like I don't know. Uh, they're on track for all these Artemis missions, right? Like that's yeah. supposed to happen. Um, apparently on schedule pretty soon. So I'm curious to see how that goes. But that aside, NASA talking about UAP, I. I just feel like if you're willing to buy that we haven't NASA hasn't been to the moon in 50 plus years and walked a man on the moon, that's fine. But if you're going to tell me that Lockheed Martin or Boeing (laughs) or like one of these crazy ass companies that has connections to potentially some of like the biggest secrets ever, I think that's crazy to think that they haven't sent somebody because like, Tom DeLong said it was like super resource rich. And uh, I wanted to send you this thing. It was a, from Brown University. And it was talking about how they, uh, this wasn't even a conspiratorial thing. It was just talking about how like when uh, the moon gets impacted, they can determine what different like things are in the sediments and like what, what get when it, the moon gets like, popped real hard and like a dust cloud forms they can see like what exactly is in that dust cloud part of what they were saying was in it was shit like silver yeah and i was like what the fuck silver (laughs) is in the moon like oh my yeah they're definitely going up there what the fuck (laughs) like if silver's up there yeah so i thought that was tight i'll send that to you yeah so the uap thing was um it was whatever i you know baby steps i guess are positive but um as someone who pays attention to the subject like every single fucking day it was a bummer but um what are you gonna do hopefully next time so this is the kind of frustrating thing is we get confirmation of well not even confirmation we get acknowledgement of stuff that we already know and it's it's stuff that's obvious and i guess the difference is it makes it into the news now and uh it makes it into you know the 
the legitimate area of academia, which is good. But um, yeah, for for most people who pay attention, it's it's pretty frustrating. And and the whole Grush thing with Bill Nelson was uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of annoying. But um, I don't know. So what else we got? The UAP thing. Oh yeah, you mentioned the uh, the fucking mummies. <laughs> oh so, yeah. I guess, yeah. So I was watching, uh, I guess, I think it was Christina Gomez who had the live stream going on YouTube. Um, and I was watching it and it was in Spanish. So I'm just kind of like, all right, this is uh, interesting. And uh, I didn't get, I guess, the actual like English speakers, like, um, you know, Abby Loeb and Brian Graves, like you couldn't even hear what they were saying because of the Spanish, like, translator so um you like so the whole whole thing was in in spanish obviously because it was in mexico um but so i'm watching this thing and i'm like all right this is kind of cool and then out of nowhere they start putting pictures up of of these you know everyone's seen it by now it's it's these these alien uh non-human i guess they that's like the one thing I could read was was non-human um, bodies that, you know, everyone knows about it at this point because it's been all over the news. Um, and this was, it's bizarre because it seemed like no one really knew about it, who was there. Like uh, Ryan Graves himself called, called it a stunt. They, they basically let like all the kind of serious people like yeah, Graves and, you know, all the ufo uh specific speakers who were talking about their experiences and flight safety and you know all the stuff that kind of makes this area legitimate um within the the frame of academia but um all of a sudden jaime what's how do you spell it, like pronounce it jaime musan him and <laughs> i guess this is yeah the people he was working with um all of a sudden are like, we got a surprise for you. And then they fucking start putting up pictures of these fucking the Nazca mummies that they were, you know, basically pushing back in 2017. And uh, I'm just like, what, what the fuck is this? So I like screenshot it and like, you know, tweeted it and that shit started like taking off. Everyone's like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, okay, this is starting to feel weird. It started spreading around Twitter and I'm like, Ugh. And then they had fucking like eggs in their stomachs and like, <laughs> I don't know, dude, it started getting weirder. And I'm like, all right, this is getting a little out of control. So I ended up like deleting those tweets and just being like, all right, this doesn't feel right. Um, and then, you know, got called a debunker a million times. And um, but yeah, it was just bizarre. Uh, and you didn't ever um, tweet something out where you don't know where like what the people are actually saying. Like, you know if it's like a <laughs> if it's like some sort of um you know whatever it was visual uh like presentation where they had pictures they were in a fucking like coffin dude it was so weird <laughs> i don't know and it turns out you know gaia which is the streaming service who they do like um i don't know ufo and like spiritual like shows uh i guess musan has a has a show on there and i guess it's like jimmy church has a show on there and it's you know it's a streaming service that kind of it's basically i guess they do a lot of ads on youtube um but yeah apparently they funded uh all the research that went went into this like the dna analysis and all that stuff and they had also previously funded 
like a very similar thing with alien mummies back in 2017, except they were uh, with Russian scientists in, instead of, you know, uh, these these guys, I guess. I guess it was basically like a round two of that. And um, they hijacked <laughs> like, like a very credible, uh, you know, situation where they had American pilots coming down who who were really pushing for this to be a legitimate issue. And then they just spring out, you know, this this whole like basically publicity stunt. I mean, Ryan Graves call it a stunt, so I don't know how else you can see it. Um, but yeah, it was, I think it was a real, real problem and it made headlines like crazy. Like it was all over the place and um, like every single major news outlet took it up and yeah, man, I don't know. It was bizarre. And it's so bizarre that this stuff happens like right as other things are kicking off. Like, like the, like say what you want about the NASA, you know, study. It it's a legitimate thing that is, you know, that people are going to take seriously. But for some reason, whenever something like that happens, like Grush's testimony or um, you know, Grush's, I guess it was his interview when the fucking Vegas alien story popped out of nowhere. It's like something weird like that that comes out to like diminish the credibility always happens like at the same exact time as like something that will actually push this subject forward. And I don't know. I'm I don't want to be conspiratorial about it, but I just I just it's annoying. And <laughs> and it's and it's very consistently uh it's it happens consistently. So I don't know what else to think. If it ain't a conspiracy, it's awfully convenient timing. It's just the idea that like you can make any of this shit seem wacky is like so dumb <laughs> at this point. I'm, I just think it's dumb. The uh, there's already been so many dope, respectable people that have like talked about UAP to get like the average person pretty excited about like the possibility of what's out there or what like is about to be revealed that I do you know what they ended up figuring out when they rolled those mummies out? Like, what did the people that believe these things are real believe? Like, what did they say? Because I know uh, that there's they because it seems super special to them. They rolled them out and were like, <laughs> they, they like seem to make it seem really important to them. Well, dude, there's going to be a fucking documentary about this in like a year on Gaia. <laughs> like, that's the thing is that oh God. like this was like a fucking like publicity stunt for like a series on Gaia. Like, I, I mean, that's that's what it seems like to me anyway. And like, I don't know, apparently the. I mean, the DNA was like inconclusive, which could mean anything really like, you know, Gary Nolan went on Twitter and was like, because <laughs> he responded to like all my de- tweets I deleted. And he was like saying all this important shit underneath them, but I had deleted them. So I kind of felt yeah. bad. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was like basically saying they had like come to him previously, like with this data a year ago. And he had looked at it and been like, Ugh. Like, you know, the status, like, it's, first of all, there's so much of it that would, it would take forever to go through. And I have a job basically is what he said. And, you know, it, there, he, he was very clear, um, not to prejudice anything and not to, um, make a determination one way or the other. He's, he's very good like that. He'll say, I, you know, I don't have the data. Um, so I can't make a decision one way or the other, but, you know, I saw this video, which made it seem like bullshit. So, 
that here's the video. Um, and you know, and people obviously they get fucking mad. It's like the same exact thing that happened with Greer and the Atacama skeleton. Like it, they take it out on fucking Gary Nolan just because he's being an honest scientist. You know, it's just like, well, but um, I guess they actually went. I don't know. I I stopped paying attention to it because honestly, I don't really give a shit until something actually happens with this stuff because there's a lot more important things to focus on. But um, yeah, apparently they tested it again and. I don't know. I, I I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's just a headache at this point. <laughs> well, something I like about Gary Nolan is that like he's not afraid to say that the natural um, explanations for things are still beautiful and interesting, right? Because he still learned a lot from that skeleton, and uh, I I that's something I really liked about Richard Dawkins too was like he made it's not like a bummer when you say that it wasn't the great juju in the sky that did this thing it's it's actually pretty interesting to see like how the natural world functions and like I I yeah Gary Nolan's a breath of fresh air on this topic because like he will say when he doesn't have the evidence for something or when he needs more data and he'll also say when something's very interesting or uh compelling and uh part of yeah everything that you've explained about like the default mode network and like your basal ganglia and the consistencies and people who have like come close to ufos all of those different things and the skeleton with Greer, all of those different things. He's very level-headed about his approach to them. And uh, I never see him like, he never gives the impression that he's hoping, you know, that it's going to be X, Y, or Z. He seems like he's very much just wants to get down to the data and see like what we can learn about these things. Yeah. And he also doesn't, like judge people he he doesn't pre you know he doesn't have a predetermined outlook i mean he might you know he he saw the data himself firsthand so he might have a better idea um of what it might mean you know you can you can kind of judge off (laughs) of what you're looking at um but he didn't have enough data to actually make a determination and i think he made that pretty clear and he didn't judge people for you know what what they thought it might be or what they wanted to believe about it um but i think it's i think it's always important just to like and it's also even to discount it you, you know you, you don't have the data to completely discount it so he left that open um as he should have because he's a he's a scientist and you know that's uh it's really important to have people like that who are open-minded but not you know going into it wanting it to be something um you know without without the actual evidence for it being that yeah dude who was it who said uh they were talking about neil degrasse tyson and i th- i think it was elizondo on kurt jamungle and he was talking about how in one area neil degrasse tyson was like inquisitive and curious and like interested in our world and willing to like embrace bold stances that we didn't have a ton of evidence for yet. 
And I think he said that one of the things was string theory. Then when he talks about UAP, the idea that something can exist to us that we can't appear to always observe with our eyes and ears and senses, like the idea that something like that is possible just sounds ridiculous to him. And it's like he can he can be super curious in one aspect and then at the same time act like this other thing that is like people with thousands and thousands of if not millions of people are reporting witnessing these things you know and it's yeah. uh yeah it's just very inconsistent i i wish that there was somebody who would just like try to challenge these people and say that something isn't I don't know. Like the the way we were talking about it with Grush, like nobody, I don't think anybody's called him that he's lying. It seems like people also just like are nervous about it. Like the whole tone, in my opinion, when he was given his testimony, the undertone was like very intense because like, it seems like the way he was talking about how people have like, potentially lost their lives over talking about this is like i hate to make light of it laughing about it in the podcast because the reality is is like if that's true which i have no reason to believe it's not and uh, a lot of people think that like that statement is true that like people have a lot to lose if they do start spouting off about this topic what do we do with that that's uh, the thing is like uh, the government always acts so fucking weird about this stuff and it's it's so obvious and they just keep like doing it and they keep getting away with it and no one in the fucking press asks any questions about it and it's like really you're gonna let this go like each and every time something weird happens and it's like you don't feel like there's a story there where like you know they say one thing especially about the february shoot downs but let's not get into that again for the millionth time but it's it's just like so weird and no one seems to think it's weird at least no one with a platform like a national or like global platform um and it's just it's just us like screaming into the void like dude what the what the fuck (laughs) like you're just gonna let this go i don't know man it's um it's just so weird to me like there there's something there there's a there there and there's like you know all it's it's constant but, yeah, uh, I'm still yeah. hopeful, though, because I know that uh, even if like this upcoming stuff does get squashed, I still am excited for Elizondo's book. I think that's really going to shake shit up a lot. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a reason he's been so meticulous about this book's release and like the interviews he's been able to do and like the breadcrumbs he's been able to give. I think that all that shit is calculated and uh whatever it says in this book i think is really going to shake shit up um i know that the a couple months ago we were talking about the uh simon and schuster book deal with that scott andrews guy yeah i think that's also going to shake shit up the barack obama netflix i don't know if people are familiar with that but my understanding is barack obama after he like concluded this nature series that he finished on Netflix, he's doing some production where he's going to talk about the Betty and Barney Hill case. 
Yeah, I, I think I actually, that's, that's fucking outstanding. And yeah. I think that like people that are getting discouraged because these lick ass rat Congress people <laughs> that are completely beholden to donors and special interests aren't doing their jobs, that they're surprised that these people aren't doing their jobs. It's like, well, newsflash, dude, that's like the system we have right now. But I don't want to get on a soapbox. I just, I was, I, I did want to make the point though that if people are discouraged, they shouldn't be that discouraged because yeah. I, I keep saying, dude, I think there are good people out there that really care about this stuff, getting the public's attention in the right way. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see all those pieces I just mentioned, like, and Tom DeLong is a good segue in the Tom DeLong's movie. Because that shit, I think, may be bigger than all of those things. Yeah, in case uh, anyone hasn't seen it yet, there's a trailer for um, Tom DeLonge's new movie, uh, UFO movie, obviously. And um, the yeah, the latest trailer came out like last week, I think. And uh, there's a bunch of Easter eggs in there. I get, he said there would be uh, about a year ago now. I think the first trailer came out then. But yeah, this new one has some pretty interesting stuff in there um there's a few uh papers from the cia reading room that he actually you know has has the actual uh papers uh documents in in the trailer so i kind of went and, and looked those up and they're actually pretty damn interesting and i hadn't read them before which isn't which is kind of surprising because i've gone through that fucking reading room a million times um but yeah we'll go through a couple of those but and then there was also this other very interesting aspect where um it had a you know those kind of uh charlie kelly from always sunny <laughs> those, those maps <laughs> where like there's strings tied to different pieces of paper and news clippings and all that shit and then in the middle um it says the others which is kind of what tom is called you know quote unquote aliens for a lack of better word um he's that i guess that's what uh, his advisors call, you know, non-human intelligence is the others. And so that's in the middle. And then on the top, it, yeah. <laughs> what do you want to explain it? Cause uh, I don't have it in front of me. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have it pulled up. It's this uh, like circle chart right in the center of this Charlie Kelly <laughs> <laughs> string. That's a perfect, that's a perfect, uh, Comparison. Pepe, Pepe Sylvia. Pepe, Pepe yeah. Sylvia. <laughs> okay. So this chart, it's like it's like a circle within a circle. And on the on the outside of the circle, it says quantum mechanics and consciousness. And then inside the next circle, it has all these religions like Gnosticism, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism. Uh, Zoroastrianism, Taoism, it has all of those listed. And then within that circle, it has the others in all caps. And on the top of the others in blue, it says angels, devas, asparas, and malak. And then underneath it in red, it says demons, archons, asuras, jinn. And I can't read what the other one says because I'm blind. <laughs> but but essentially, yeah, <laughs> essentially all of these. And 
I'm no uh, history major, but I know that a lot of, or if not all of these religions are relatively new as far as like the Abrahamic religions go, Zoroastrianism. I know Zoroaster lived at like 500 BC or so. Christianity is relatively new in terms of like uh, the past like few thousands of years. Gnosticism. <laughs> I feel like I sound like fucking Ben Stein. <laughs> all these religions. But <laughs> listen, people, the point is that there's a fucking proxy war going on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, another, there's a post it note next to it that says proxy war. Fuck, I don't have it in front of me. What does it say? <laughs> I don't even see that sticky note, dude. I think mine is zoomed in too much. Dude, this trailer was fucking crazy. I I, when Klaus sent me, he was like, hey, dude, this trailer came out. I was like, oh, sweet. And I clicked it. And then for the next like 45 minutes, I was just sweating and just like <laughs> taking, I was pressing like pause, pause, play, pause, play, pause, yeah, play. Dude, I was I screenshotting want- because it's like the fucking... It's like all quick flashes of just random yeah. secret Tom DeLong documents and like paintings. And I was like every painting or like art piece I saw, I was trying to like look it up and see who the artist was and what year it was. And dude, yeah, they, so were, it says, they were all sick. It was so cool. It says proxy war battle for souls happening now. Uh, yeah. So this <laughs> oh, is kind God. of, yeah. So this is kind of a uh, Tom DeLong classic he talks about he kind of actually went back and um i i think i found the first time he he actually said this was during a q and a session with peter lavenda and aj hartley um when he released the first secret machines book and he basically said that he gathered all of these events that happened in history and he kind of split them out into two different things or a good and good and bad event like you know positive and um you know horrible events that happened in human history and um he sent them like to his advisors and and he was like is this you know the angels and demons of the bible and his advisor was like yes and he said so his reply was um they don't really like each other do they and the guy said agreed and then he said he got two words back um i guess a month later and uh they were proxy war so essentially it's it's saying that there's multiple non-human intelligences on this planet uh kind of using hum- humanity in in a sort of proxy war with each other um so that's a fun thing to think about when you're going to sleep and <laughs> and uh yeah what's your theory on that because i know you think about that a lot and um kind of game that out dude it's it's really tough to try to like parse all this and like still sound coherent so like before i even start diving into this people have to take a gigantic grain of salt and fucking chop it up relax sniff it up your nose yeah (laughs) get it going because like (laughs) take it to the dump this shit shit is crazy okay yeah so something cool about in my i i think it's cool one of the first books that I ever read about UFOs was by John Keel, and it was a book called Our Haunted Planet. I just reread the first chapter of that today. <laughs> Dude, 
and it is it's the um, goat it is the goat it makes so much fucking sense it's uh kind of uncomfortable but yeah go on sorry i just (laughs) want to i'm up to date on that um yeah i'm brushed up (laughs) so i never i had never read anything about you ufos and i was like okay well uh I I remember joining Twitter and there was this one user who was like, uh, I think Tom DeLonge followed him ironically, or eventually he did, but it was that Jacques Keel guy. His name's Corey, I think. And he's a super nice guy. Yeah. He's a good dude. And uh, I would uh, message that guy when I had a relatively like new Twitter account and he would be like, always super responsive and uh encouraging me to read like a lot he was just like he was like don't take what i say dude just like these people these are some great researchers and he named like a couple he named peter lavenda for sure and uh john keel was like one that i was just like dang dude this guy is reading a lot of john keel and i just heard tom DeLong give an interview where he mentioned john keel being like the shit like he was being a very like important guy and i was like all right well i'm gonna check this dude out i'll pick up this book because he kept posting like excerpts from this one book and keel this is in like i think 1971 i think that he published this book he it's one of the most thorough books i've ever read about any topic but just like in terms of like history it uh keel's take was that like he calls them ultra terrestrials because like we're we would just be terrestrial because we are earthbound and we can see each other with our senses and like we're humans like of course extraterrestrial would imply that they come from outside of earth and keel's idea was that like ultra terrestrial was a little bit different ultra terrestrial meant that it was existing within the super spectrum which was like the totality of all we can like visibly see in the like electromagnetic light and uh ultrasonic like sound he was saying that just because like things don't aren't visible to our senses don't mean that they don't exist within our reality And there's plenty of things that our military equipment can pick up and that animals, namely dogs and like all sorts of different animals, I'm sure, can observe that we probably don't even understand exist. Here's an interesting part where he's talking about this exact topic we're talking about, like why are human beings so fucking unique in the beginning one superintelligence may have tried to utilize the Neanderthal men as his physical army. Ultraterrestrials were sent down the frequency scale to help guide the cavemen. To facilitate communication between the UTs and the Neanderthal men, the tall, blonde, normally sexless ultraterrestrials were made to more closely resemble their primitive contacts. They were given sexes, but were forbidden to participate in the pleasurable rites of sex. Dot, 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 the tree of knowledge. The serpent people were sometimes able to control groups of cavemen and managed to trick some of the UTs into breaking their chastity. The UTs engaged in sexual intercourse with the cavewomen. 
This produced strange responses in their materialized nervous system. Emotions were born. Frequencies were changed. The direct control of the superintelligence was driven from their bodies. They were trapped on Earth, unable to ascend the electromagnetic scale and re-enter their etheric world. With the loss of control, they became animals, albeit highly intelligent animals. Since the UT's memories were part of the greater intelligence, the loss of contact also meant the complete loss of their former identity. They were locked on this planet, leaderless, in a totally strange and hostile environment. The first UTs to be thus trapped became the first real men. They had to learn to hunt and kill, to build fires and huts. They were lost, the victims of the first battle between the serpent people and the ultimate intelligence. Now the serpent people, or Omega group, attacked man in various ways, trying to rid the planet of him, but the superintelligence was still able to look over man, and new, more tightly controlled UTs were sent to offer advice and assistance. Earliest man was told in carefully simplified ways of his origin and purpose. The superintelligence became God, and early man worshipped him, in many ways under many names. God worked out new ways of communication and control, always in conflict with the serpent people. Much is made of the fact that Adam and Eve were terrified for, by the first night, indicating that they were used to a world without light. Perhaps as ultra-terrestrials, they were accustomed to total vision or perception of all the frequencies. Life on those higher planes would be bathed in continuous radiation, and there would be no night or day, no time. Now Adam and Eve were not only trapped on this miserable little planet, but they were also caught up in a world that moved in a single direction through the field of time. This would take some getting used to, even if they couldn't remember their previous existence as UTs. Through intercourse with existing cave people, the fallen UTs produced new races of man. They were the missing link, and in many ways, all three of our hypotheses for the origin of man become correct. Evolution is involved. Extraterrestrial descent is involved. Creation is involved. In some parts of the world, the serpent people successfully posed as gods and imitated the techniques of the superintelligence. This led to the formation of pagan religions centered around human sacrifices. The conflict, so far as man himself was concerned, became one of religions and races. Whole civilizations based upon the worship of these false gods rose and fell in Asia, Africa, and South America. The battleground had been chosen and the mode of conflict had been decided upon. The human race would supply the pawns. The mode of control was complicated as usual. Human beings were largely free of direct control. Each individual had to consciously commit himself to one of the opposing forces. After that commitment was made voluntarily, the chosen force could possess the individual to some degree. The UTs very carefully explained this process to the early priests who interpreted it and tried to pass it on to their followers. The rites of baptism were born. The main battle was for what was to become known as the human soul. Once an individual had committed himself, he opened a door so that an indefinable something, probably an undetectable mass of intelligent energy, could actually enter his body and exercise some control over his subconscious mind. 
This soul was directly linked with the superintelligence and with all similar souls, thus making possible mental telepathy, prophetic dreams, and other wonders. And those thousands of cases in which this subconscious force lapsed over into the conscious mind, we find destructive fanaticism and obsession. If the if the controlling intelligence was omega or anti-human, the stricken individual suffers from insanity or commits criminal actions, social disorders, and so on. <laughs> Fuck, dude. That was a lot to read. I hope no. I didn't sound bad when I was reading that. No, it was but good. Like That's I... probably the most pertinent part yeah. of that book. And uh, to me, because he talks about the soul, he talks about how he feels like human beings came to be through this term he keeps throwing around ultra terrestrial, you know, and uh, he talks about there being this like pro-human and anti-human battle. And that's like the foundation of when I started reading about this topic was that dude that was the first book i read and yeah. then after that i was like these books suck dude i want to go back i read that book probably like 65 times because well, that I... fucking literally tom DeLong is making a movie about it like that yeah. is that is literally what he's saying with this uh with, with this chart on the wall in this movie it's a proxy war it's um goddamn dude i don't know it's terrifying <laughs> oh god but yeah, that's um, John Keel. I mean, the fact that he wrote that shit in like 1971 is, is nuts. Um, but it kind of does encapsulate everything, and it it you know it takes in religion, and it 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 kind of explains everything in a really you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't necessarily believe it, but it's um, it's definitely you know part of. Like, that's the thing when you think about this stuff is, you know, religion is like a huge part of the human psyche, you know, influenced how we how we conduct ourselves on a day to day basis uh, for most of humanity is, is is these religions. And it's really only recently that it's kind of, you know, the the secular era, I guess, quote unquote, would would I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like these. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The idea of like the free thinking man and the individual and shit like that. That's very recent secular ideas. Like what <laughs> I'm not trying to like stand on a soapbox for our founding fathers and defend every action they've ever done. <laughs> but like uh, they're in terms of like the historical significance to humankind that the United States was, it is pretty damn impressive for what they were able to accomplish because up until a very, very long time, it was ruled by the King or it was ruled by fucking <laughs> the, uh, yeah, false the, gods, the, right? Yeah, That's what he's bunch talking of, about. Bunch of pharaohs and fucking emperors <laughs> and crazy bullshit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was our shit wasn't perfect. Still is way far from perfect. But like the idea of having rights like 500 years ago you could kiss that shit goodbye it's yeah i'm i'm really excited for this movie and shit and that john keel man that uh even that first chapter i'm like you know there's an ultra terrestrial presence like living alongside us and uh you know when we were when we were more um more primitive and yeah it's wild that i think it was like even just yesterday they found like 
a wooden structure that was 500,000 years old. Like what, who built that shit? You know, it's uh, I don't know if you saw that, but um, 500, 500,000 years old. Like oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where? It's, uh, let me, let me pull it up real quick. Cause this is definitely worth talking about. Um, all right. I found it. So yeah, the headline is CNN. Extraordinary structure has no real parallel in the archaeological record. Archaeologists have unearthed the oldest known wooden structure, and it's almost half a million years old. Uh, the simple structure found along a riverbank in Zambia is made up of two interlocking logs with a notch deliberately crafted into the upper piece to allow them to fit together at right angles. This is 500,000 years old. Um, yeah, he said this, the. Professor of Geography um, said the structure excavated upstream at Colombo Falls near Zambia's border with Tanzania probably would have been part of a wooden platform used as a walkway to keep food or firewood dry or perhaps as a base on which to build a dwelling. A digging stick and other wooden tools were found at the same site. Uh, that the wood has remained in place and intact for half a million years is extraordinary. And it gives us this real insight, this window into this time period. It's completely changed my view of what people were capable of at the time. Um, let me see what else. Isn't that fucking insane? 500,000 years old. Like right angles carved out. Like basically like Lincoln logs. <laughs> That's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my God, it literally says that. <laughs> <laughs> Dollar compared the technique used to connect the structure's parts to Lincoln logs, <laughs> the children's building toy made of miniature logs that lock together using square notches. Uh, yeah, that's what makes us really confident that this is not a natural process. It has been done intentionally using stone tools. Researchers aren't certain which species of ancient human made the structure and wooden tools, but it is highly unlikely to have been our own. The earliest known Homo sapien fossils date from around 300,000 years ago. He said the complexity of the structure suggests that the people who made it were cognitively sophisticated and were able to make and execute a complex plan, something that likely required the use of language. Half a million years ago. And they think it was... A, and it's not us. They think it was something like us? Um uh, I mean, I don't know. They, they had they no fucking idea. Like, they said like, what did they said? Species of man or a species of? Yeah. Researchers aren't certain which species of ancient human made the structure and wooden tools, but it is highly unlikely to have been our own. Damn. And they, you, they had language. It likely requires language. The complexity, uh, the, the cognitive uh, complexity to put this thing together. So, what comes to mind? Homo naledi? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, not this specifically, but just the fact that, like, we had that this is basically confirming that a non human, yeah, this is before, like, some species had language before we did. What does that mean? That, that, that goes in, yeah, because I've written about Homo naledi a lot and how they, you know, the evidence of them uh, harnessing fire and using tools before we did uh, was, was pretty remarkable. Um, 
and that was like 250,000 years before us but this this fucking Lincoln log wooden structure was made half a million years ago before we were even on the scene dude my my this is why I wish that I had like a scientist to like <laughs> talk to because like I don't understand what the question is. I feel like that would mean the evidence is suggesting we need to like maybe reevaluate our understanding of like what it means to be human. 500 they these human beings are only 300,000, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh at the oldest and that's yep. being I th- I think that some people have said like a hundred thousand was like the earliest Homo sapien. So like, dude, five hundred thousand. Yeah, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and they had language five hundred thousand years ago. What does it mean to have so language? This... Like, do, do any of our animals on Earth have language technically, or is it considered that like? What's the criteria to mean that like your species has language? I like I don't even know what to say about this because it's so out there. It it just throws a wrench into kind of everything, everything we've been taught. And I like where do you go from here, dude? I, you already know what's next. Is they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna pull out fucking Poseidon's trident, <laughs> and Joe Biden's gonna come out holding it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, dude. I don't know what the fuck. I I don't know, dude. I I feel like uh because even when you talk about rising and falling, then people are like, oh dude, well that means Atlantis is real. And it's yeah. like, dude, I don't know if that necessarily is the case either. Like and that's the might, funny thing about that like, shit might have uh, been like a metaphor or something, but it, it's still different than the way yeah, like modern science understands shit. Like if they said that there actually was some advanced, like or more advanced type of human predecessor, that shit would be crazy. Like, yeah. how would people respond? That do you talk about ontological shock? And and all these findings just like seem to line up with with a much more complex history of our species, and uh, it's it's going to make people really uncomfortable. And um. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say about this. I just wanted to go over a couple other things in the Monsters of California trailer. Um, yeah. There, there were some interesting uh, government, like CIA documents he had in there uh, having to do with Starfish Prime is one of them. Um, it was called, what was the paper called? Collateral Damage to Satellites from an EMP Attack. Uh, that like basically when he, the character goes in and he's like he finds these documents basically that seem to you know be the catalyst for for whatever adventure they have in the movie um it's it's this paper called collateral damage to satellites from an emp attack and it's like 100 200 pages long and um the whole first part of it is packed with you know uh data from starfish prime nuclear test so i I don't know if people don't know what that is it's pretty much in i think it was 1962 where we basically launched a nuke into space to see what would happen and um we learned a lot from it it like you know caused all this crazy shit to happen and obviously obviously it fucked up a lot of satellites uh but within the ufo lore like a big part of it was that we 
uh, knock down, you know, something other than a satellite. Um, yeah, like a like a UFO, I guess is the is the inference there. But um, in another document that they have in that in that trailer, it's it's another Starfish Prime um, document, and within that document, uh, they have someone's firsthand account of what happened when when they launched that that nuclear bomb and they kind of start out telling that story and then it it starts getting interesting and then for whatever reason the government decided to delete page 22 which is which is the next one um so i kind of wanted to read this and make a connection real quick uh but this is from that actual government document it's this is this is from the you know dtic.mil website uh, it's a firsthand account of of you know someone in the military who uh, basically describes what they see during Starfish Prime. Generally, the red mottled region was more intense on the eastern portions. Along the magnetic north-south line through the burst, a white-yellow streak extended and grew into the north from near zenith. Um, so he's basically describing like what the what the sh- you know blast looked like from from the ground. Strong electromagnetic signals were observed from the burst, as were significant magnetic field disturbances and earth currents. A VLF signal, and then it goes page 22, deleted. So so the whole next page is deleted. Um, And then it basically talks about what was recovered. It, it, It wraps up. Basically, in that deleted page, it looks like they were talking about, um, you know, what what fell from from the atmosphere during during the space so after that deleted page it goes some samples but the rocket-borne samplers were not recovered balloon-borne nuclear track emissions were not successful possibly due to a freak temperature inversion which prevented the the balloons from reaching the altitude of greater than fifty thousand feet so essentially they took out the whole page of what was recovered oh yeah dude that that harkens back to the uh, old Jimmy Church Tom DeLong interview where he talks about fly swatting bugs out of the sky. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of these UFOs appear to be like operating at a different frequency and that uh, ELF or VLF, I think they would call it in this, is like uh, for some reason it has like this effect on them that turned, what is it? I think Lou Elizondo said something about this where he said it turns when gravity becomes like part of the question, it turns into like a big sinker or something or a big uh, dumbbell brick. brick. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that made me laugh. And then also on that show, Unidentified, there's that like conversation they have with that Italian commander, Carbruno Verdruccio where he's explaining that incident they had where the thing was like lighting fires on this Italian coastline. Yeah. And that uh, they said that they, they had like found what frequency it was operating on. And mm-hmm. he said when they like shot a missile at it, that it shot it back at them. Yep. And uh, yeah, that was, was a, that was shit a, <laughs> like couches yeah. were just lighting on fire in the fucking apartment. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> fuck, fuck Mexico. I want Italy's hearing <laughs> and see what Italy rolls out because that was some that was interesting testimony. Was that yeah. Clar, Clar Bruno Vertruccio guy? They said he was a what uh 
like in the Italian equivalent to our Navy SEALs. And this guy was explaining how this thing came out of the water and like shot a beam at a uh, or a sh- shot a ray. I don't know what he, it what at the, a helicopter. Yeah, at a helicopter. They actually had they had a damaged. fucking yeah. They had photos of it actually. It was on uh, unidentified. Lou Elizondo. They they went to uh, Italy and they showed him the photos. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I actually found this is the this is actually the connection I wanted to make to that document. Gotcha. So so when it says yeah, it ends like right before uh, the deleted page. The sentence is a VF, a VLF signal, and then it ends. So this is what is in secret machines, and I I feel like this might be connected. I feel like I feel like Tom like kind of filled in the blanks here. One of the CIA guys hands hands this analyst like. A bunch of data from from starfish prime and it's like figure out what this is and he's like give me your gut sense um and the guy goes it's going to make, take me hours to make sense of this and the, the cia goes um i need your gut impulse now and the analyst is like this is not possible so so the analyst goes well the first thing i see said babish his defiance turning to baffled curiosity is a correlation here between the British Jodrell Bank and the Goldstone Deep Space Communications radio telescopes, which seem to show a transmission originating outside our galaxy immediately after the Starfish Prime EMP. That's not relevant, said Scottaline. Babish stared at him. Did you hear what I just said? A transmission from deep space. Yes, said Scottaline, unblinking. We've known about that for years. <laughs> <laughs> Babish opened his mouth but could think of nothing to say. Classified, remember, Scottaline said. Forget you ever saw that. So, you know, that that one page in the report and like basically cutting off at a VLF signal. It 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 makes me wonder if like that's what Tom was talking about in Secret Machines when he's when he's talking about a transmission from deep space. One one that I saw that was uh uh, one of the art pieces that was in that trailer was uh, this like winged like demon thing. Yeah, and uh, I like did a reverse image search of like what it was and who the artist was, and it had to do with this German play about uh, I think it's called Faust. Oh, uh, you did a reverse image search? That's fucking smart. <laughs> are you mocking me no i'm fucking serious uh, yeah dude a lot of those screenshots i some of them I, i'm not gonna lie i recognize the michelangelo the torment yeah. of saint anthony that's a pretty famous one but right. he only shows like a little clip of it it is called faust and i was reading about what the fuck mephistopheles was and it's like this like german folklore about that's this, familiar i don't I have no fucking clue. But. It made me just like appreciate Tom DeLong a little more, bro. Because like it seemed like he had done his homework as to like how long a lot of this shit has yeah. been like in our art and in our like uh, literature and in our culture. I feel like there's so much that is outside of just like biology and physics when it comes to this topic and 
that's something that I really dug about this trailer was that like it had so much art that like it even just the the couple of like paintings and plays that you got the Easter egg of that's like really cool. And not every movie is doing that nowadays, especially nowadays. Like, they, yeah, you don't. Everything's a just a of- fucking like sequel or fucking reboot. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. We're going to remake fucking Lion King five. <laughs> it's <you're> crazy. Like- <laughs> it's almost dude. It's like almost like a control system. It's going to keep you in this fucking loop of fucking narratives over forever. Like you're not getting out. No new content. And it's crazy how like money keeps us in this cycle of like whatever makes money you do. And it's just like, okay, the same thing makes money over and over again, but in different, like, you know, it different editions of whatever it is. I don't know. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. It'll be like uh <laughs> nobody but, wants nobody wants to take risks yeah. about uh yeah. It's really difficult. We're just and spinning our wheels ideologically. And... <laughs> we need to put all of the religious texts in the AI. Yeah, man. Fucking seriously. <laughs> Fucking seriously. But uh, the uh, the art aspect of that trailer, I thought was really cool. Um, because it one of the paintings also was Virgil and Dante. And we had mm-hmm. talked about that a couple times b- between you and I. And uh, I know Terrence McKenna would talk about Virgil and Dante a lot. And it was just real cool how like uh, a lot of the things that we enjoy talking about end up like making their way into these topics that have nothing to do with UFOs, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting because it seems like ufos have a lot to do a lot more to do with human beings than we're we're uh understanding and when i watched that trailer it kind of reaffirmed that a little bit and that was something that was real big like right off the cuff with john keel was that like he made it a point to say that like he thought that if there were no humans, there would be no UFOs. Right. And he made it a point that they were like part of us, like part of who we are. Maybe not necessarily part of us, but he he said like, if there were humans on another planet, I think that there would be UFOs. They'd be seeing UFOs as well. And uh, that was such an interesting tie into all this, but like, I'm still, I'm still learning a lot and reading a lot about this stuff. And I still don't know what they are. But uh, it is interesting, the element that like consciousness and that like our existence in general has to do with the relationship with UFOs. Yeah, man. I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. I got to eat again. <laughs> every every time we wrap up, I have to fucking eat. eat. I'm just like dying. But um, yeah, man, I can't wait to see this fucking movie. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the NASA stuff is i think it's a net positive um just in the general scheme of things and you know when it comes to the legitimacy of the topic as annoying as it can be um man i i just put out an article that i wanted to talk about but of course didn't get to it um do you want to dude we can take we take 10 minutes 
I nah, I'm good. I got. I'm fucking hungry as hell. No worries. <laughs> but yeah, it's out. It's uh, it's called Recycling the Universe. It's about um, Roger Penrose has a theory about um, yeah, it's the cyclical uh universe, and then he kind of applies that to Fermi's paradox. Um, so I kind of extrapolate that into uh, certain things. You know, Elizondo has said about about DNA, and there's some. He has a theory in there about information panspermia, which is um, kind of transmitting uh, potentially the genetic code uh, into these things, you know, through these crossovers of eons. And it's kind of a cyclical, I don't know, man, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to explain, uh, but we'll definitely talk about it uh, next week when we, when we do an episode, but um, you got anything you want to, you want to plug? Um, Not particularly. I just hope that everybody continues to stay vigilant and not get too married to any of these ideas we're talking about. Yeah. Because like that's sure. that's what makes it so satisfying when I talk to you about some of these topics is that you're not telling me to join some group or that I need to <laughs> look into this. Look into this, bro. Look at it. Like you're not uh, really <laughs> pushy about anything or like hoping that this this is gonna pan out to be something and that's something that i really like it's a breath of fresh air in itself and well, uh, dude, it's like you could be wrong you could look like a fucking idiot like yeah. why would you go <laughs> like you know like say you know something you don't like just yeah fucking wait you know <laughs> have patience and uh wait till the data comes out and then then make a decision like there's no reason to to force yourself into believing something I don't know. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah, dude. I just love you, bro. I think that too, I'm, I'm really proud of this show. And like, uh, I don't really have anything to plug now. I'm still trying to write and get a couple stuff sorted out. But like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, dude, I just hope people, uh, when they listen to this show, understand that like everything we talk about, this is not necessarily what I believe it is. At all, yeah. a, lot, a lot of it is like just shit that like, you really t- to try to understand concepts like non-human intelligence or ultra terrestrials like these are very very like exploratory ideas so like uh i just it's a lot of fun to talk about them and uh i just feel like it's like something that's really cool for people when they get to hear guys talking about it and not uh in like a goofy way you know yeah it's also like Non-human intelligence has been a huge part of like American, but not American. Fucking, let me try that again. <laughs> it's like apple pie. Yeah. <laughs> non-human intelligence is, uh, yeah, non-human intelligence is. It's been a big part of like you know the human experience for a very long time. It's just called like gods, and um, you know, it's not, it's not, it hasn't been looked at scientifically yet. And, um, you know, when you say it, you know, you don't call people crazy for going to church every Sunday. Um, and just because you're looking at this stuff through a scientific lens, uh, doesn't mean people should be called crazy for looking at it that way. Um, it's actually, you know, it's, it's just part of the human experience, but we're, we're actually kind of, you know, trying to figure out what it means for our place in the universe through, uh, scientific method and i think that makes a lot of people uncomfortable but um you know it's it's i think it's why it's got to be kind of 
taken on slowly. It's um, it's one thing to believe something; it's another to know it. So that's uh, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, thanks for listening, and um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>